Howdy there, lady. You're tuned into Wine and Gine, a lively woman's health podcast hosted by two licensed midwives, Kelly Pappas and Tiffany Alblinger. We're dragging every sister, mom, and best friend on our mission to make chatting about the female body and everything that comes along with it a normal and amusing thing. Grab a glass of wine with us while we flex our vagina expertise and dish on women's health topics each episode. Remember, you too can be a vagina expert because you have one. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wine and Guide. This is Kelly. And it's Tiffany also. It is. And uh, we're super excited to be back with you for another fun episode. Um, but before we jump into anything, we wanted to start something a little fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We think it's fun. <laughs> um, reading a real-life review from our podcast. So if you have yet to jump onto iTunes or whatever platform you listen to our lovely little podcast on and leave a review, uh, we would be so thankful if you did that. Um, But we wanted to read a very sweet one um, today from her handle is a mindful mama, which we like mindful mamas. Yes, we do. We like all mamas and all people who are just mindful in general. Yeah. Yeah. That includes a lot of people. Yes. A lot. We just like people in general. Yeah. Um, Okay, so she writes, true women empowerment. It's so nice to hear women comfortably talk about the things we all want to talk about, but are sometimes too afraid to. I so wish I could come to Wine and Gine Talks, and this allows me to do that. I'm so excited to learn more and to make sure that my daughter feels empowered as a woman and about her vagina, too. I'm so looking forward to more episodes. That's sweet. It's so sweet. I love it. Yes. Um, We're super thankful, and uh, we wish that you could come to our Wine and Gine talks in person, too, but so thankful for the podcast that we can bring those to you. Yeah. I especially appreciate that she included how she's going to talk to her daughter differently. Yes. About this stuff, which is, that's just a huge thing on our hearts is really For sure. getting women so comfortable with their own bodies that they can then empower their daughters to be comfortable with theirs. Yeah. So that that generation doesn't even need a warning gang podcast. Yeah. Because this is just what happens. Yeah. With women. Yeah. Yeah, without the wine until they're yeah, 21. True. <laughs> true. Don't give your daughters wine. No. We should probably be clear about that. But talk to them about gang. Yeah, kind. Yes, yes. Yes. Well, that leads us in really pretty seamlessly into today's podcast is called Talking to Your Kids About Sex. Everyone loves to talk to their kids about sex. (laughs) And every kid loves to be talked to about sex. That's right. I'm pretty sure that's what the kids are saying these days. Yeah, I mean... Take how uncomfortable you are talking about sex with other adults Mm -hmm. and just apply that to your kids who don't listen to anything you say anyway. (laughs) So this is actually going to be fine. it's a really good combination. (laughs) If they don't listen to this, you can get some practice in. Um, In all seriousness, we really um, are, are bringing this topic into the conversation because we have so many women who end up asking us about 
this exact thing. Like, okay, this is really great that we've all got some tools to talk to each other about our own bodies. Then how do we bring that information to our kids so that they are not having our situation where we aren't talking about it or are uncomfortable bringing up things. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, the first thing that I think that we have to remember with this is that you are the experts in all discussion with your kids about all topics. Yes. So nothing that we say here tonight is a golden anything. This is just our own practical knowledge as two moms who are comfortable talking to our kids about these kinds of things most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what we're going to suggest tonight is just purely our opinion. Yes. Very important to remember because what works for us or what we've seen work or what we've learned about or anything might not be what's right for you and your family. And so it's just sort of finding that balance, but we're hoping that we give you some good tools that no matter who you are, you can take at least some of it um, and actually utilize it from the get go. Yeah. Or just that it inspires a bit of curiosity for you mm-hmm. to go and research it some more and get some more tools and some more ideas and uh, develop a more genuine discussion um, thing in your own family about it. For sure. So the the thing that's really important to me in this topic itself is that sexual health with all of us is more than having sex. So sometimes we say talking to your kids about sex is like the talk of the birds and the bees. Yeah. And do we need to talk to kids about that or do we wait until they're teenagers? Like we'll get into that later. But but what I really want to say is talking to your kids about sex is just sexual health. And so that's our bodies. That's our physical health. That's our feelings. That's the love and expression that we Um, express with each other and with romantic and sexual partners. Mm -hmm. That's pregnancy, birth, um, just learning how to um, have healthy relationships, Mm -hmm. making decisions, interacting within um, a framework that you're able to like express yourself freely with, with everybody. Those are, that to me is just all encompassing into sexual health. So we're going to cover this whole breadth of that idea tonight because it all kind of interconnects. It's not just how to break the news to your kid (laughs) that a penis goes in a (laughs) vagina. Yeah, this is much more than a talk, right? This is like many talks. This is a culture of open communication that starts, I mean, talking about your feelings and your physical health, like all of those things can start when you have a baby. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's, that's our advice is that you figure out a way to just be talking candidly in your family about all of these things. And some of you guys do that really well already. And so if you can take that bit of it and like, Oh yeah, I talked to my kids about affection or we have a topic of love that comes up and it's like, yeah. So how does that get expressed? You know, sexually sometimes, how does that, how do we teach our kids boundaries within relationships when it comes to, you know, different topics of mm-hmm. getting dressed or um, personal space or, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff you guys are already doing. So we want to encourage you to kind of weave in parts of the talk with that in regards to sexual health. 
the most important thing you can do is get comfortable yes. talking about it. Talking about anatomy and sex in general, being comfortable talking about those things just translates into more comfortable conversations that sound more natural yes. coming from you. Yes. <laughs> For sure. I know. I don't know if you had, like, the talk with your parents. I actually don't even remember having a specific talk. I think that I just sort of, like, picked things up. But any time anything even remotely came up about that, it was, like, everyone was so uncomfortable. Like, bodies all stiff. and like, yes. And then I remember uh, um, <laughs> Bill Clinton was going through his whole thing. And so they're oh, talking yeah. about oral sex a lot on the news while my yeah. parents are watching it. And my dad's like... Do you know what oral sex is? <laughs> I was like, no, this is so weird. This is so awkward. Um, and then we had to have a nice conversation about that. So. Yeah, I'm sure you Thanks, were Bill. Thanks a lot, Bill. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was listening on the edge of my seat to everything, and it was not uncomfortable at all. But that was probably the first time that we had any kind of conversation. Well, and good for your parents for just being like, well, I guess we should talk about this. I mean, that's another thing. It's never too late to start talking about it. And maybe it's awkward at first, but if you start talking about some of these topics in an appropriate way that meets the development of the age of your child, and you're just open about it in general, it does actually naturally manifest into conversations that are yes. not freaking weird yes it's just a matter of actually doing it yeah it's worse in your head probably than uh, I don't know <laughs> it can be pretty awkward yeah if you've waited and you have that kind of relationship that has this barrier there so I think what you're saying Tiffany about like starting this culture of it from the get-go and how it's so much more than just sex yeah is super important I so. agree so I think that these conversations start with a two-year-old or mm-hmm. even, a, even a smaller infant just talking candidly about their parts mm-hmm. because infants are touching and looking and... And you're wiping. You're and diapering. All, yeah, you yeah. might as well start using correct anatomy mm-hmm. Yes, as you do some of those activities with your baby. But a two-year-old is really... Um, the age when they start to understand that their body is different than other people's. Mm -hmm. And so that's an opportunity for you to introduce the concept of consent. And so Kelly, share a little bit about how the topic of consent can be brought in at a toddler age and why some people think like, oh, consent is not something we need to talk about until only my teenage daughter is... You know, 14. That's not the only application for consent. Oh, absolutely. I think um, starting out trying to help them understand the idea of, like, their own bodies and what they can do to their bodies and what somebody else can or cannot do to their bodies. Because if I'm still changing a diaper for my two-year-old or something and they're asking me not to touch their vagina or something... Now, some parents would be like, you're just a toddler and like, I will do this. But I think it's really important to stop and say, I'm going to listen to you. Unfortunately, you have some poop in your vagina that I need to get out. But I want to like respect your body and I'm going to explain to you why I'm doing this. And just kind of taking a step back. Some people I think might just go a little crazy trying to give 
uh, a toddler that much sort of autonomy, but I think it starts at this point of like, where, where and why am I comfortable with this touch and not this and being okay to have that conversation um, and bringing in like, hey, I'm doing this for you. I'm wiping you or I'm helping you in the bathtub, but like everybody else is not going to be doing this. Yeah. And being very clear and upfront with those kinds of boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Because, I mean, part of this rolls into just general sexual abuse, mm-hmm. which I think that parents have an awareness of enough that they do talk to their kids a little bit about what touch is okay and what mm-hmm. touch isn't. I think that I think that, that that is looked... I think parents approach that part of this consent topic with trying to keep their kids safe. Yes. But it's from a fear-based perspective of like, well, I don't want my kids to ever get sexually abused by another adult, so I have to help teach them what's okay. But it's that's not the only thing that we're trying to build here. Right. Yeah. We're trying to build your, um, your child's ability to decide for themselves and know that what they say about what is okay for their body is going to get respected. And if that's the yes. expectation, then that covers a multitude of issues, not just oh, yeah. sexual abuse. For sure. I mean, I know a big, like there's a, there's been an article that's floating around Facebook for probably months now, but about like, don't just say like, come here and kiss, like give a kiss to uncle, whoever, you know, like if your child doesn't want to give somebody a hug or give somebody a kiss, we don't say like, hurry up and go do it. Right. Yeah. Like being rude. It's, we need to respect the fact that they don't want to be in somebody else's personal space or somebody to be in their personal space, you know? Yeah. And I so. think sometimes what we do is we, we try to, we, as the trusted adult, we try to force our kid to do that and they do it to please us. But then what happens is that deadens their own ability to discern that intuitive feeling of mm-hmm. this doesn't feel safe for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not they're trying to defy you and just be like, no, I'm not giving grandma right. a kiss. They're just thinking like, I really don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> and so starting with those small little pieces and getting okay with that yourself of like, yes. yeah, I can help my kid learn that when they say no or when they don't want to be touched a certain way that that matters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that that's a really important thing that we cover just in general. And if you missed the window of your one or two year old doing that, you can start now. Absolutely. Because I need lots of reminders as a parent of a six and an eight year old that they have autonomy. I have to continue to give them their power back to them about their bodies. Because it's really easy for someone with my personality to try to be the boss of them all the time and get them to um, just blindly obey my instructions. And so I think this is an area that um, I'm continually still working on and adjusting and trying to figure out. Um, Even my almost nine-year-old has been telling me at bedtime recently that she just wants hugs. Oh, I know. <laughs> Give me a kiss. I know. I'm like, hold on. My yeah. instinct is to yeah. steal a kiss. Yeah. And be like, you're my baby. I'm going to kiss you <laughs> yeah. if I want to. But really what yeah. I need to do in those situations is be like, okay, I can respect that. You don't want to be kissed. 
that is my problem, <laughs> and not yours. Side out game. Yeah, 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 and not projecting my expectations right. for physical affection onto my kid. That's not her responsibility right. to make me feel loved. <laughs> <laughs> so we're always checking oh, ourselves, guarantee. right? We're always yes. trying to, you know, f- figure out where where we are within these boundaries. Oh, for sure. And I have mixed gender kiddos too who uh-huh. are close in age, and that's a whole other piece too of figuring out like. And you still want to be in the shower together? That's still comfortable? Are you, you guys are still naked around each other? Like, that's fine. Or I'm naked in front of my son or whatever. And trying to just be open to the fact that things are going to change with that, too. Yeah. And trying to listen to them as they give me cues of what makes them comfortable or not. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's it. Within a framework of, like, safety. Yeah, I think that for the most part, families that are open like that gives the kids the ability to decide when they want to. Right. Stop seeing another parent naked and stop having bath time with other, Mm -hmm. you know, siblings and stuff like that. So let's dive into some really... um, Organized information per age. So even if you have not had the opportunity to start this, like we said with the two-year-old, you can kind of jump on board here anywhere and you can you can see what ages we recommend talking about certain things. But you um, you definitely can start from the beginning, even if you have a five-year-old. You can go back oh, yeah. to what we recommend for two and three-year-olds and start there and work your way, you know, across. And when we recommend these ages for these kinds of topics, we're not saying that if your four-year-old is not ready to talk about a certain right. thing that you say it anyways. This really is a this really is a child-led discussion that's mm-hmm. appropriate based off of what you know about being the expert about raising your kid. Yes. So these are just guidelines. So we say Two to three-year-olds, they can start practicing consent, mm-hmm. and they can know proper names for their body parts. Yes. And so we can call a penis a penis, and a vagina a vagina. And a vulva a vulva. And a vulva yes. a vulva, and their scrotum mm-hmm. and testicles. Like, the yeah, I mean, of course all families are going to have... Yeah, we use correct terminology, but we also have our own, like, little things that have just come up that are like slang-ish yeah for our family yeah Yeah. I mean like how do you get around calling not calling testicles balls right yeah you just that's what they are right (laughs) like that's almost a medical term (laughs) (laughs) pretty sure it is okay so three to four year olds can handle where babies come from and we can talk about it as a uterus or a womb and this age group is usually interested in exploring their own bodies by now. Yes. So they're kind of wanting to look and see what they have. They're wanting to look at the other adults that are naked around them, other kids that are naked around them. And so you have lots of opportunities to talk mm-hmm. about um, body parts and kind of helping them explore that and not and practice not shaming them for wanting to see what they have. Yes, because I think a lot of parents are like, oh my gosh, then they're going to start masturbating, and then it's like this thing, all of a sudden they're so stressed out about it. When a three or four year old is like poking at his penis, he's just like, this thing, it like stretches, it moves, it's like hanging there, what is this, you know, and just wants to kind of understand what he has more, which is why it's so helpful to use correct terminology so that you just normalize the fact that like, yeah, you're a boy, 
you have a penis. Mm-hmm. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So three to four-year-olds, they're interested in where babies come from. Mm-hmm. Not really interested necessarily in how the baby got there. Right. They're just like, oh, how did that happen? And so, yeah, babies grow in the uterus and come out the vagina. And they'll be like, okay, cool, thanks. Yes. Four to five-year-olds kind of want to know a little bit more about how babies are born. So that would be an appropriate time to say, yeah, the uterus pushes a baby out through mom's vagina. Or it's another opportunity to talk about cesarean as birth because a lot of Mm -hmm. kids will have been born that way. Mm -hmm. And giving those two examples for how most babies are born. Um, As midwives, we really want to make sure that we're labeling normal physiological birth as birth through a vagina. And so even one of my kids was born by cesarean. I still tell her a normal birth happens through the vagina. That is where you should expect to have your babies. Mm-hmm. Um, five to six, five to six year olds, they are more interested or can handle how babies are made. Yes. So in really simple terms, you can explain that a part of daddy mixed with a part of mommy and made you. And, and that usually is like, oftentimes is enough. Like oh, okay, that makes sense because I kind of look like both of you or like we're all part of a family. They're not necessarily like, now how? Sometimes they are. Yeah. And if they are, move have forward. correct terminology. But a lot of times yes. you can just start with that very basic information and that satisfies them until it doesn't at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so also we should say that the temperament of your child and the personality of your child kind of ends up guiding these talks too because – my kids are not that interested in this stuff. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> Don't you want to talk about your vagina some more? And they're like, please, let's not talk about vaginas anymore. So I think my kids and probably yours too, they just have more information than the average kid. For sure. Not super interested. But I have friends texting me all the time like, hey, my three-year-old just asked me such and such. What do I say? And I'm like, you just tell her the truth. Yeah, I think a lot of parents are very concerned, like, I'm going to mess this up if I tell them the truth. It's going to be, like, scarring for them. But I think if you know your kid well enough, you can bring it up in simple terms. And if they ask more information is when you start bringing in bits and pieces more of, like, the medical, you know, terminology of it. Yeah. Right, like sperm from daddy and an egg from mommy. Yes. Right. So they're asking for more. Give them more. What parts of daddy? What do you mean parts of daddy? (laughs) Don't say magic love dust or something. That's not helpful. (laughs) Okay. So six to seven year olds, they just should be, they should know about sex. In my opinion, I think six to seven year olds is a place where just a very general idea of sex, like dad fits into mom leaves the sperm, gets to her egg, and makes the baby. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that is an appropriate time to introduce that as a really basic topic. And I think because you've already, at this point, like spoken openly, there's an understanding of what men have and what women have. Right. Like my now eight-year-old a couple years ago, so in that you know uh, age bracket that you mentioned, put it together himself that he was like, Oh, it's like a puzzle. Right. I get it. And like, 
Yes. Thank you. There you go. You just, <laughs> you just had the talk with yourself. Great. My job is done. Um, and it didn't scar him. He's not like a worse sex for the freak. Wear. Yes, uh, whatsoever. <laughs> so it didn't change his world whatsoever, but it helped him understand some information. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's important too that like we're sharing that moms and dads have sex to make a baby, but also to show that they love each other. That's a loving act for people to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay for us to share with our kids that it feels good. That is a part of couples joining together and sharing Mm-hmm. that commitment piece of their relationship and that having sex is not only this mechanical thing to make a baby, but that it is an, an enjoyable way to express your love if you're an adult. Yes. Because I think part of what we miss in our culture and why as women we end up having a bunch of discussions about our libido and orgasms and things like that is because we have not fully processed that sex is an enjoyable thing just in natural human relationships because it ends up becoming something that we don't talk about as teenagers I mean I get becoming a teenager you have not maybe potentially talked about it with your parents and so it's this rebellious thing and once you discover that it feels good which you're gonna discover at some point right so it's nice to have the framework laid beforehand within a really safe context versus discovering it on your own and being confused and potentially ashamed. Right. And not feeling like you have anywhere to go with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you talk to about the fact that you just discovered sex feels good? Hmm. (laughs) If that was a surprise to you, then that doesn't feel like the person who taught you about sex is a trustworthy resource. Yeah, no. Right? Mm-mm. So I think that's an important thing to do. Um, another way that people describe this, like Kelly said, kind of like fitting like a puzzle, but some people say, like, when a man and a woman decide together to do this, they lay close enough together that the penis fits into the woman's vagina. So we don't need to say that, like, there's a ton of foreplay and <laughs> yes. sexy talk yes. and dry humping and <laughs> to all different sexual positions. Like we right. don't need to share that with our kids. No, not at all. It's just something that, that people do when they're really close together. And, um, that we emphasize that kids are too young to have sex. So do not worry children. Only adults do this. Yeah. And that also kind of creates a safety net too for that sexual abuse element of like, oh no, kids don't do that. So mm-hmm. if an so adult ever wrong. asks you to yeah. do something like that, that's not what kids do. That's only what adults do. Mm-hmm. Eight to nine years old is where we kind of start to bring in the puberty education. And in my opinion, I think it's a good time to start talking about safe sex. So if you've already broached the topic of what sex is, talking about safe sex within a framework that's comfortable for you Um, I think is important because it makes space for questions within the relationship context. So why would we, why would safe sex be an important thing to bring into the topic so early where they're not going to have sex so they don't need to know how to put on a condom. But they very well might be hearing things at school or seeing things on 
the internet or on TV. Um, you know, like I heard stuff about sex from the news, yeah. right? Like you hear these things and obviously there's, you know, just like terrible things like rape and other things that right. happen that, um, not that we're putting this information into their head specifically to scare them, but it's just to get them in a discussion with us that is a safe space to talk about these things before it's an issue. Yes. If you're talking about the things when they're already happening, uh, it's a little, it's just harder to like pull back a little bit and create this open conversation um, kind of after the fact. Yeah. Obviously you can do it anytime, but we're just trying to give like framework of moving forward. Yeah. And if your kids spend any time on the internet, even on safe connections, even yes. on only kid apps, even there's just a huge percentage of pornography that ends up getting through. Oh, for sure. And kids are going to absolutely get exposed to that potentially without us knowing as parents and definitely way before you think that they would be looking for it. Mm -hmm. They will get accidental exposure. And so if we don't talk to our kids about what's appropriate and what's not, and we don't talk to our kids about body parts and they don't know anything about sex, then they're seeing images that make absolutely no sense to them in their world, but they know that that's private. We don't talk about our privates. That's not okay. And yeah. so they're not as likely to bring it to you if you have not already said, sometimes when you're on the internet, even when you're not trying, you might see X, Y, Z. And so that's another important thing to be able to have a discussion with your kids about just the reality of the world we live in, unfortunately. Yeah. Puberty includes growing up changes. So getting underarm and pubic hair, your breasts start to develop, all of that, you know, good stuff that, that leads up into menstruation. I think eight to nine is an appropriate age to start talking to your kids about some of those changes because even though the average kid is not going to start going through puberty until 10 or 11. Some start as early as eight or nine, Yeah, especially girls. And so if you give them some idea of what to expect in their bodies and what they're about to go through, that provides some context and coping with that reality when it hits. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a couple of tips for you guys in discussing these topics with your kids and we went over a couple of them already. One of them is just to like be comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that you can do that is by reading books about bodies and sex. And we'll link to a couple of our favorite ones yeah. in the show notes. But um, books really help you make words with your mouth that <laughs> yes. you would like not. Your brain might not want to make on its own. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. And so you can find literature that you feel comfortable looking at with your kids and that gives them contact without you having to feel like you're sitting down to right a formal discussion it doesn't have to be that way and you can start practicing talking about some of these things with there's plenty of children's books that kind of broach these subjects mm -hmm. um even if you're uncomfortable with your kids just admit it just be like oh i know this is kind of weird that i didn't talk to you about this when you were younger but here we are and it's important and I want us to start talking about it. And mm -hmm. so it's uncomfortable for me, but I'm working on it. I'm working on that. Yes. So just bear with me. Yes. And being honest about that, <clears throat> I feel like allows them to be honest about like, I, this feels kind of weird, but this also feels like a safe space. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. And that's generally what we're trying to create is that, oh, 
Yeah. My mom has told me a hundred times that I have to put sunscreen on before I go swimming. Mm-hmm. Oh, It's just yeah. a part of life. My mom yeah. has told me a hundred times that a penis goes <laughs> into a vagina. I couldn't think of a right, right, right one to fit in there. But, you know, it's, yes. it's a normal part of the discussions that yes. you guys have. And it's just the instruction and, um, mm-hmm. and comfortability that comes with talking about it often. Yes. Um, if your child has questions, answer their questions. You can always just choose to go more general and mm-hmm. get more specific as that seems necessary or um, helpful for that particular kid. Some kids just love information and some kids are like, la, 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 please don't tell me. <laughs> um, but in general, parents under-inform their kids in this area. Yes. So if you 100%. ever have to go leading towards one way or another, lean towards over-informing them and then back off a little bit if that seems like too much. Mm-hmm. Um, the point of all of this is to open a conversation right right and so when they ask when somebody asks you a question if it was another adult like you would answer their question right so with your children regarding this like you want to answer if you're not sure exactly how to answer like Tiffany was saying I think stepping back and taking a very general not being like oh it's like a magical fairy who flies in and leaves the baby in her mom's belly um but being able to respond to some of those things as as comfortable as you can. And if that means you need to sit and think about what your answer will be if your three-year-old asks you where babies come from, then sit down and think about it. Mm-hmm. Or, or Google, or listen to any of the things that we have said, so that when it happens, you're not like, oh my goodness, I can't believe my child. Of course your child's going to ask you that. They see pregnant women everywhere. Yeah. They see babies everywhere. How does this happen? It's incredible, right? So, being open with it. Yeah. And then, and then just being prepared that they yes. are going to bring you things sometimes, hopefully, if you've done your job mm-hmm. at having open conversations about this stuff. Eventually, they are going to bring something to you that is going to blow your mind. Yes. Do not freak out. Yeah. That is the tip for you. Do not freak out. Practice the idea that they're going to say some things. Maybe maybe they're three, and you're like, where did you hear that? (laughs) Or they're 13, and they're telling you something that one of their friends did Mm -hmm. that might be alarming to find out. You have to stay cool and calm. Because they're bringing it to you because you're the safe place. That's amazing. Yes. That is amazing that they're bringing it to you. That is the point. Yeah. Um, what, some, what are some other tips? Um, letting both parents talk, um, I think, is important. So a lot of times, like, the stereotype is like, well, you're the dad. You go talk to the son, right, yeah. about sex. It's important to get used to communicating about sex with both um, genders. Yeah. Think about how, how impactful it would be for your daughter to have some practice talking with a man about these things. Mm-hmm. And for him to speak truth into her right. life about these types of relationships and what it means and the impact and all of the things so that she, not only she's intellectually prepared, but she's emotionally secure and psychologically prepared for you know, the things ahead of her 
And vice versa for absolutely moms and sons. Yeah, think about the son who grows up having these more tender conversations with his mom mm-hmm. about, well, you know what? This is how women like to be treated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. yeah, or this is the way that you can be respectful in, you know, your marriage relationships mm-hmm. when you're having sex, or this is, you know, how daddy and mommy are manage this you know, this part, and I really right. love how daddy X, Y, Z, and, like, that just gives kids a framework for what they're actually going to experience, and no, we don't need to give them adult problems that they don't have already, but we can absolutely speak to them about real life, because we're doing that in all the other aspects of their world. Yes. I mean, yeah. all we do all day is shove down our kids' throats how successful they need to be because they're going to go to college and get a job. And that's those are valuable conversations to have. But they're also going to go meet people. And yeah. They need to have yeah. valuable relationships with people. And we don't put enough emphasis on true. Yeah. what tools your child might need in order to do that. Um, so you can kind of look at it that way. How can you prepare your child for success in life by talking about some of these things with them? Mm-hmm. And some of the things that we talked about already too is just using everyday prompts like the news mm-hmm. or a story that your kid brings home or, you know, some kid shows are oh, provide lots of opportunities for discussion. I only see like, I mean, I'm currently breastfeeding, but like if I see a breastfeeding mom also, mm-hmm. like before I was breastfeeding because they get breastfeeding all the time now but um that's an important one too that like you know how bodies are like how they function and their use and all that kind of stuff too yeah absolutely so those are some of the tips we have some of you guys are pros at navigating this already and we want to hear some of the tips that you have yeah and the best way for you to communicate that with us is hop onto our facebook page our facebook group group It's a community called Wine and Gun Community. It's a private group where we're having discussions about the podcast topics, but just general health topics for women. And we want to hear what you guys are doing to talk to your kids about some of this stuff. Um, Maybe there's some funny stories that you have about this. We'd love to hear those. Yeah. Maybe you've got some tips or things that haven't worked or things that have. Or maybe we said something in this podcast that you're like, I would never. Yeah, which is, again, totally fine. Yeah. We want to hear about that, too. The other thing that I want to mention is that in the show notes, with the links to books that you might find helpful and interesting and factual (laughs) we've also got a link to our pinterest board that has some graphics that we put together that give parents some tangible tools for the things that we talked about today so we've Mm kind of organized some of this information into a couple things that you can look at and peek back at and see like okay i've got a five-year-old but we're starting on the (laughs) three to four year old yes. stuff and we're working Which up. Which great. Yeah. Or I've got a 13 year old. We haven't talked about any of this stuff. <laughs> I've totally screwed it up, but yeah. we're going to start somewhere. And in the future, we'd like to do a podcast on talking to teens about yes. sex. So this really is just for your, for your younger kids, how to bring up some of these topics and why it's important. But talking to kids about sex, of course, is a whole different animal. For sure. Do you have anything else to add to today's? episode it makes me want to just like continue to be aware of how I'm bringing up certain conversations with my kids 
you know, particularly just around like consent and stuff like that at, at this age, but all of it. Yeah. I yeah. like it. It's a good reminder for us to be like, oh, oh, do we believe this information? Let's keep doing it. For sure. Yeah. All right, Gainers, we will see you in the next episode. Until then, have a great week. Bye. The sponsor of today's show is Whole Mother Co., a fun give back shop that includes you, the busy mama, in making an impact with your purchases. Your partnership raises money, promotes awareness, and supports the mother-friendly causes you care about. Use code WINEANDGUIDE at wholemotherco.com to get $5 off your first order. Wow, Kelly, they made it all the way to the end. What did they win? Lady, you've won a priceless connection with your amazing body that you've been doing your fab life in. Our hope is we've gifted you with some information and perspective you can use. Sharing is caring, and our mission is to make these topics familiar to all women. We bet you can think of three people right now who will find this episode helpful. So be a pal and share it. Lastly, you won't want to miss a thing coming up in Wine and Guide, so subscribe to get all the tasty details directly to your ears. Have a great day, vagina experts!